listening to NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. Thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday on this Wednesday, June the 16th. Time for me to welcome in now the mayor of Kamloops, Mr. Ken Christian. Mr. Mayor, how you doing today? Very good, thank you, Jeff. Well, uh, we got news today. The Kamloops Blazers, their home opener, all set for October 9th. Are you planning to be in the stands or what? Oh, you bet. You bet. I'll be there and uh, looking forward to seeing the new crop of kids and uh, looking forward to things getting back to normal at the Sandman Center and, and across the whole Western Hockey League. Yeah, I guess just since we're on that, I mean, are you happy with where Kamloops is, is right now in terms of COVID-19? Our numbers seem to be going way down. Our vaccination rates are going way up. I don't know if you've uh, been fully vaccinated yet, but just, you know, we seem to be making some pretty good progress here. Yeah, I'm actually uh, scheduled for my second uh, vaccination on Friday. Uh, and uh, kudos to Interior Health uh, and their team on the two mass vaccine c- clinics in Camels. They've just been going full out. And uh, the response from the Camels residents has been great. And uh, we're seeing some vaccination numbers that we have never seen before in this city uh, here in the month of June. And uh, let's just keep the pedal to the metal here uh, because it's, uh, it's not a done deal yet. The numbers are encouraging, and uh, we're in phase two of the BC restart plan, but uh, we still need to get uh, the majority of our population uh, the second dose, and uh, that uh, should uh, hopefully occur within the next two or three weeks. So if we can keep this kind of pace up, uh, I think we can put this uh, chapter of our history behind us, and uh, we can look forward to uh, building back better. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that being the tra- the case for sure. All right, let's get to a little bit of uh, yesterday's business at Kamloops City Council. One of the bigger things that I think that was discussed was about BC Transit. Annual operating agreement was approved. One of the highlights was uh, adding two new full-size buses in January of next year, adding 2,900 of additional hours of service compared to uh, what's taking place now. I know things were cut back a little bit during the pandemic, but this is a... To me, it seems like a sign that we're we're moving ahead out of this pandemic and increasing bus service is one of the things that, you know, more people will start to do as we get healthier. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, transit, just like the airport, have really suffered through this. And if it wasn't for the restart uh, funds and and, uh, recovery funds that we received from both the federal and provincial governments, uh, we would have had to really cut back and and, uh, shut down uh, routes and lay off staff and everything. But we managed to keep uh, both the frequency uh, of the buses as well as the routing intact. Uh, Now, uh, that said, our ridership uh, is low and and we need to build it back and so uh, part of that is uh, getting people uh, to where they need to go when they need to get there and and uh, our staff uh, uh, constantly work with uh, BC Transit and uh, uh, First Canada our operator and uh, are adjusting the schedules uh, according to uh, you know the changes that are occurring within the city so this plan uh, just reflects some of those changes and uh, you know we continue to use kind of a spoken hub uh, approach in terms of our transit exchanges and when we see uh, Thompson Rivers University back in full swing uh, that will really help things out and uh, as we uh, implement the uh, free rides for those under 12 and uh, we get back to uh, looking at uh, a full 
slate of businesses that are open in the community, we're going to see a lot more demand for handy darts. So that was a, a big topic of concern. So lots of uh, lots of discussion, lots of good ideas, but lots of optimism, and and that's really what uh, I was uh, excited about yesterday. And uh, we will at some point in time hear from uh, our operator. Uh, certainly. There are complaints, and, and uh, they have a pretty good uh, mechanism by which uh, they log, record, and respond to those. So uh, I think we need to uh, just kind of have that reassurance as a council. Um, switching topics here, there was a committee meeting yesterday in regards to um, some, some different things. Development is kind of one of the main parts of it. And there was some talk about incentivizing developers to build that missing middle housing. This is something that I know has gotten quite a bit of discussion over the last number of months. I think you had a better name for it, but I can't remember what that was off the top of my head. But, you know, do you, do you think we need to see more incentives being put out there for developers in order to encourage them to build this type of housing that we're currently lacking in Kamloops? Is that something the city should be initiating or should it, you know, should there be something else to, to try to incentivize builders to, to start making this missing middle that we're talking about. You know, I'm not a big fan of, of government incentives. I, I think that the less government intervention there is, the better the marketplace functions. Uh, I think that uh, there is a market for entry-level housing uh, in this community, and uh, I think as we see an exodus of people from the Lower Mainland and we see people uh, are much more confident working remotely and, and our technology is improving, uh, I think that there's going to be a, a, a market... Uh, in the private sector that the private sector will respond to and uh, you know uh, I think uh, the zoning bylaw number 55 is reflecting uh, some uh, best practices in in uh, municipal zoning and and growth and development in in uh, uh, local governments in BC but uh, I don't think that really we need to uh, use uh, incentives as the only way that we can get some of these things especially for that that entry level uh, market uh, kind of housing. When you look at some of the um, supportive housing and subsidized housing, yes, maybe there needs to be some incentives there, uh, but I suggest that should be provided by the province of British Columbia because mm -hmm. it's their responsibility to do housing. It's not the city's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, kind of where I was going with that as well, so I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this plan to decriminalize small amounts of illicit drugs because the city of Vancouver submitted its final proposal to Health Canada um, to, to go ahead and try to get this exemption from the federal drug laws. And a statement was signed by the mayors of Victoria, Saanich, Nanaimo, Burnaby, New Westminster, Port Coquitlam, and, and Mayor of Kamloops yourself uh, to kind of support this call. Why why is this so important? And, and do you think, you know, if the city of Vancouver were able to get this exemption, that it would kind of really start the ball rolling in helping with the this particular issue, getting an exemption for small amounts of illicit drug possession, and then hopefully helping to deal with the larger problem of, of the opioid crisis that we're so often talking about. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and I reflected uh, hard and long on the uh, position that the city of Vancouver was taking, uh, but uh, they're quite frankly, they're right. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, possession of uh, personal possession of drugs right now is not something that is uh, uh, being actively policed uh, because there is uh, certainly no appetite within the court system to uh, uh, punish people for what is essentially a health condition, uh, not a, a 
measure of criminality. So, you know, that, that I think is the first uh, piece that we need to look at. But what is concerning to me, and, and I believe to counsel as well, is the just enormous loss of life that we are experiencing in a small city like Kamloops due to drug overdose. Well, why is that happening? It's happening because this is uh, considered a, a criminal behavior, and it's largely going on in the shadows of the night in single occupancy kinds of places uh, because uh, people have that shame associated with their addiction. I think we need to start treating this as a health condition, and the faster we do that, the faster we will be able to get people into recovery. And uh, I think the city of Vancouver's approach is a very reasoned one, and it's a pilot. And uh, should that work, I would think that the government of Canada would look to uh, institute something like that nationally, because I, I don't think you could have pockets where it, this is legal and, and that isn't. I think you really need to look at a national strategy. So it's a start, uh, and I think uh, a start that is uh, well-researched and certainly deserves my support. How frustrating is it? You and I have been having this conversation around the opioid crisis for, for two years, and it doesn't feel, and, and I know the conversation's been extending far beyond just when you and I have been chatting, but uh, how frustrating is it that it feels like there's been so little movement on trying to address this issue from upper levels of government? I know, like, the province of B.C. started the standalone Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions, but that is, you know, well underfunded. It just feels like the, the conversation's gotten better, but the actions haven't really been there to support that. Yeah, you know, I'm frustrated. I think, uh, you know, since 2016, when uh, Dr. Perry Kendall, the provincial health officer, declared this a public health emergency in British Columbia, uh, you know, we started to make some headway, and and uh, we were trending in the right direction uh, until the pandemic, and now it's simply exploded. It's totally unacceptable to see the person years of life loss that we are seeing in the city of Kamloops due to a contaminated drug supply. So uh, to their credit, they do have a, a ministry of mental health and addictions, but uh, they're kind of a paper tiger because uh, they really don't control the uh, inputs and the wraparound services, the nursing, the uh, counseling uh, that you need to dig your way out of this. Those are controlled by the health ministry. So, you know, I think uh, we need to uh, look at the model that they are using uh, in the government and, and maybe trans for uh, some uh, accountability and, and budget uh, money to Minister Malcolmson so that she then is able to address some of these very serious problems. I know uh, her riding is in the Nanaimo area, and I talk to the mayor of Nanaimo regularly, and uh, they are suffering just as we are. And, and uh, this is no longer just a big city problem. Uh, this is a problem that's everywhere, and it's a problem that's getting worse, and I think uh, a problem that we need to put our collective energies into solving. One more question here for you, Ken, and then I will let you go. But uh, I'm going to ask because Councillor Bill Sarai was asked about it this morning on Coffee with the Councillor on the NL Morning News with Howie Reimer. But there was uh, a brief, very brief conversation about Tronquil on the lake development and, and Councillor Sarai basically saying the city is pretty hands-off on this right now. Uh, 3,500 units of housing potentially going up there, uh, a school, a winery, a shopping centre. People are concerned about the traffic impacts as well as just the continuing of urban sprawl that we're seeing. I think one 
one of the major things that people would like to see if something like this were to come in is another river crossing uh, at, at some point a little bit more uh, west. But, uh, you know, just do you have any concerns about this coming in? I know the city needs to increase its housing inventory, and this is one way that that could help. So do you have any issue or concern about this pretty large development that is being proposed right now? Yeah, and, and it's exactly that. It's a proposal. And, uh, you know, I've lived in Camelos long enough to have heard many, many proposals for the Tronquille facilities. Uh, the challenge uh, that they're currently uh, dealing with is a challenge with the Agricultural Land Commission. Uh, then they have to uh, look at uh, First Nations approvals. Uh, then they have to eventually get a plan uh, that would come before council uh, in uh, a public hearing. And, and we would uh, listen to the the public at that point in time and, and make a, a free and open decision with respect to it. Uh, on one side of the coin, you have uh, certainly, uh, as uh, Ignition, uh, the development company, put out yesterday a lot of economic pluses and positives related to it. And on the negative side of the coin, you do have issues uh, related to uh, urban sprawl and uh, that uh, whole uh, piece about uh, kind of conflicting with densification and the current movements uh, in in urban planning so you know that that's uh, something that uh, when uh, as and when it gets to that stage we would be uh, charged with the responsibility of making a decision on but I suggest to you that they, we are miles and miles away from that and uh, as uh, with many of the uh, proposals for Tronquille that we've seen as a community uh, some very great ideas uh, often fall by the wayside. Mayor Christian, as always, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your, your, your day here, and we'll, we'll catch up in the near future, I hope. Thank you. Awesome stuff. Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian joining me, as he so often does, following a Kamloops City Council Day. That, of course, being yesterday, went over some of that discussion, talks about the development committee meeting and the uh, need for more of that middle housing, that missing middle that is so often talked about, things like uh, uh, like duplexes and that kind of thing that are allowing people to kind of get into the housing market at a more affordable rate, uh, not seeing as much of that being built here in Kamloops. And he doesn't want to see, the mayor of Kamloops doesn't want to see the city being the one putting forward incentives for builders to be creating that type of housing. Uh, that should be coming from either a senior level of government like the provincial government or you know some other type of way but it shouldn't be the city necessarily laying out those types of incentives so he doesn't appreciate uh, or doesn't think that would be the way to go when it comes to trying to fill that gap so we'll see where that conversation continues because i know that's going to be a topic of conversation uh, as the years roll on especially as we talk a lot about housing prices continuing to go up we need to be able to have some affordable units for people to live in also, uh, the conversation around transit and what was being discussed there and how adding more buses and more hours is a sign that the pandemic is starting to come to a close. Uh, and also, of course, as we set off the top, as he mentioned to me, I asked him, are you going to be at the Blazer game on October 9th, home opener for the 2021-22 WHL season for the Blazers? And he said he'll be there. You bet you'll be. You bet he will be there checking out the new kids and watching life get sat back to some sense of normalcy. So I look forward to October the 9th and Mayor Christian, I'll see you at the game.